Good evening. This good Friday. Let me start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are humbled uh, to come into your presence. This, this, this Good Friday. This day that we set aside to fixate and focus our attention upon the work that you, uh, that your son did on the cross. And he took the brunt and the weight and the magnitude of the punishment of sin that is in this world because of each and every one of us. He freely and happily took it upon himself so that we might be ransomed. We might be rescued. We might be freed. Lord, I pray that our feeble attempts to glorify you for uh, this and so many other blessings that we have been given would have been a pleasing sound to your ears. Lord, as we turn to your word this, this afternoon, we just pray that your spirit would speak its truth into our hearts. In Jesus' precious and holy name that I that we pray. Amen. So I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, a little bit different than even I I planned. I'm going to start by turning to the book of Isaiah. Um, And all I'm going to do tonight is read. I'm going to read a couple passages. Um, I'm going to read this passage in Isaiah. I'm going to read John 19, and I'm going to read out of Colossians. And I think everything, every, every bit of logic tells us not to just read. Um, because people get bored with reading. Um, I hope that's not the case. This is probably one of the most amazing stories that's ever been told. Uh, it's certainly the most amazing story that's ever been written down, and it's it's a story that deserves our attention and our focus. Uh, I believe firmly, and, and I think we as a church believe firmly that the Word of God is the reason why uh, we gather together, not really to hear me say what I think the Scripture says, but to hear what the Scripture says. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. Um, you can follow along watching up on the screen. If you have a Bible on site, you can get them out. You can follow along. We're going to leave the lights down. We're going to leave the lights down so that you can 
you can close your eyes and you can just think. Just dwell, let the Spirit of God speak into your heart these words that I will read for us. Isaiah chapter 52, starting in verse 13. Behold, my, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astounded at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance in his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths before him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for this, as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he did none he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth yet what is yet it was the will of the lord to crush him he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and 
be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be counted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many to make intercessions for the transgressors. John chapter 19 is John's account of uh, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. And I, and I want to encourage you before I read this to uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow morning or sometime before Sunday, go back to chapter 13 and read chapters 13 all the way through chapter 20 of the book of John uh, and get kind of the whole picture of this last night. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out against again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I, ha I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And the Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to the law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will, not, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and, and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man then you are no, not a Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement in, in Aramaic uh, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! 
Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus... And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with two others, one on either side, Jesus between them, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. And so the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And the soldiers had crucified Jesus. They took his garment and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of uh, Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a, put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And since it was the day of preparation, and so, the so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be, they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it is born witness. His testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. 
And again, another scripture says they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier came to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was closed at, close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Paul, in the book of Colossians, he speaks now of Jesus. I think what Paul is doing here is he's commentating on this story. It says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him if indeed you continue in faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the Gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I'd just like us to take a minute to to 
simply reflect on how magnificent a Savior we have. I hope that as I read these three passages, and there are so many more that we can go to, one thing stood out. I think Paul says it pretty poignantly in verse 18. He says he's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might be first. The story of the cross is the story of how God and God alone through Christ Jesus has reconciled us sinners. So before we take time to take communion, let's just simply bow our heads and reflect on this truth. Mark chapter 14, verse 22, Jesus instructs us in uh, the process of the Lord's Supper. We're going to take communion this afternoon here. Once I finish praying, I'll kind of give you some directions, but I just want to read Jesus' instructions to us. It says, as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. We're going to take communion. Paul tells us in Corinthians that the purpose of communion is to reflect on the work of Christ on the cross. To think on the death, the sacrifice that Jesus made to become the propitiation, as Paul puts it in Romans, the the payment, the, the appeasement of God because of the sinfulness of our flesh. As you take communion, 
uh, this afternoon. We're going to take it by, I think it's called in, in, in oh, it's, it's a fancy word, it doesn't matter. Basically, you're just going to rip a piece off. We're going to dip it in the, in the juice. Uh, you can eat it there. You can carry it back to your seats if you would like. Um, but I just ask that you reflect on the work that Christ has done for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God in heaven, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for what you have done. You sent your son to shed his blood and to give his body as the necessary payment for my guilt and my sin. You have removed my transgressions and my iniquities so far from me that there is no distance that can calculate it. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So Mike is going to kind of guide us around. We're going to come out of the middle here. He's going to start with this side. You're going to come out in the middle, and then you'll kind of travel around and come back to your seats. When he comes over to you, you'll do the same thing. You'll come out of the middle, but then go back the back of the church so we don't get a log jam. <laughs>